Sure. <laughs> no one's excited about those announcements. Um, <laughs> my name is Marco. How are you guys doing? Good. I'm glad I am the preaching and teaching pastor here at Storehouse McAllen. It's a joy to be up here preaching God's word to you. I hope y'all are down with this weather because I am. Uh, awesome winter time. <laughs> this is such a dad joke. Anyway, uh, we're going to find ourselves, let me transition before I make this worse. We're going to find ourselves in Jude this morning. Uh, In case you are new, we have been walking through this several week series in the book of Jude. If you do not know where Jude is at, it is the book before Revelation. It is a short, stout 25 verses, and this morning we are closing this series out on uh, our study in Jude. And we're only going to be looking at two verses, the last two verses in this really heavy, really awesome, really encouraging uh, book. Again, if you're new, all of our content is online, so you could find the rest of our sermon stuff uh, up there. Uh, but in any sense, I'd love to just dive into our time. Uh, you saw that the announcement, and one of the announcements is that next week we're going to be uh, observing the season of Lent, and so we're really excited about that. But technically speaking, uh, Advent, or not Lent, Advent, sorry, next week we're going to be observing Advent. Uh, I'm just excited. Um, but technically speaking, uh, Advent starts today because 2020 is a leap year. Uh, the, the time of Advent generally changes based on the year. And so technically, today marks the start of Advent. And I just want to give you a little, little snippet of what Advent is next week. If you're cool and you come back, I'll give you more about as to why we are observing the season of, uh, of Advent. But uh, to give you a slight uh, brief introduction, Advent actually comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming or anticipation. And so the season of Advent is fit into what is called the church calendar or the church liturgy calendar and what that calendar is all about is that it focuses on specific moments in the life and ministry of Jesus so for instance um, if uh, you're with us in the spring we observe Ash Wednesday and the start of the Lent season or Lenten season and the idea behind that season is that it focuses specifically in the time where Jesus fasted in the wilderness right at the start of his ministry Advent okay I'm skipping ahead, Advent focuses specifically on the anticipation on the coming of the birth of Christ, right? But in addition to that, again, this is just a really brief overview of Advent just because it starts today, but in addition to that, in addition to the observation or the celebration that God entered into human history as the man Jesus Christ to save sinners, in addition to that, we don't only look to celebrate that historic moment, that redemptive moment, we also look forward to the anticipation of Christ's return, okay? And so today, we're going to talk a little bit about that, his return, that is. We're going to talk about how our hope is cultivated through a fundamental understanding of this doctrine called eternal security or perseverance, The doctrine of eternal security teaches that those who are in Christ will persevere in their salvation until the end. 
It's a beautiful doctrine that teaches that Christians will persevere, not because they are perfect and not because they are sinless, but because Jesus preserves them. This does not mean that there isn't anything done by us on our part. We actually examined some of that last week. If you remember the phrase that Jude uses, he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. So there's obviously some action and effort on our part, but however, we cling to the beauty and hope of Christ because it is Christ himself who preserves us fully. As we conclude our time in Jude this morning, it's been very evident to me that this letter can be uh, uh, motivating and empowering while at the same time tiring and overwhelming. For instance, we spent about three weeks unpacking the character and conduct of false teachers and the role that the faithful church has in addressing, correcting, and rebuking them all while at the same time keeping ourselves in the love of God. And while that sounds wonderful and while we can muster enough compassion for those who are lost and wondering, if we are honest, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to step into the mess of someone's life. It's a lot of work to, as Jude says, rescue brothers and sisters from their sin. It is a lot of work to demonstrate a great deal of patience, care, and even grace with those who are struggling and doubting. In fact, when we read through Jude, we can easily walk away and ask, There's so much to do, where is our hope? I get it, there's false teachers. They're gonna come from within the church. We need to address them and rebuke them. We need to know what they do. We need to know what their hearts are like. We need to know all of this. I get it, Jude is writing to us and it applies to us so that we would contend for the faith, right? I get it that he wants grace, peace, and mercy to be multiplied to me. Yeah, I understand, that's a lot of work. Again, it's a 25-verse book that has a really big punch, and you can walk away exhausted. You can walk away exhausted asking, where is our hope? And let me just tell you, our hope is, is in the gift of eternal security through Jesus Christ. That even in the most turbulent of times, he preserves us. This little doctrine, the the doctrine of eternal security teaches that we are sustained fully by the Lord Jesus and his grace poured out onto us. That is right now, that is present tense. That Jesus is pouring his grace out onto you right now and we are sustained fully by him. We are sustained uh, uh, in our salvation because it is Jesus who keeps us. You see, when it comes to the doctrine of eternal security, it is more than the question of, can I lose my salvation? It is deeper than that. It is the fact that, once again, we are sustained fully by the Lord Jesus and the grace that he pours out onto undeserving sinners. We are sustained in our salvation because it is Jesus who keeps us. We are sustained because we have a Savior who can sympathize with us. Eternal security is not a get-out-of-hell card but the beautiful gift of salvation for those who place their faith in Christ, in Christ alone. So, what is it that I want you to know this morning about eternal security? Here's your main idea. 
I want you to know that eternal security builds upon the foundation that Jesus is Lord and empowers the church to worship as she waits for his return. Say that one more time because this main idea is gonna lead us to two questions. Eternal security builds upon the foundation that Jesus is Lord and empowers the church to worship as she waits for his return. I'd love to just dive in, so I'm gonna read verses 24 and 25 and then pray and we'll, we'll knock these things out. Here's what God says through Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, as we begin our time, Lord, may we come before you humble. May we come before you in order to worship, particularly through prayer and the preached word. God, we ask that you would edify us this morning. God, we ask that you would breathe life into us this morning through your Holy Spirit. God, we ask that you would sanctify us this morning for our good and your glory. May your word be sweeter than honey this morning. And may the meditation of our hearts and minds this morning be pleasing to you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna, we're gonna begin with one question. Remember, this main idea leads into two questions. We're gonna focus on verse 24 and one question. Here's the first one. How does eternal security build upon the foundation of Jesus? Well, we're gonna look at verse 24 for that, okay? Eternal security builds upon the foundation of Jesus in two ways according to Jude. Now these are not just two ways, but these are two promises from God through Jude to you. And they are that it is the Lord Jesus who keeps us from stumbling. And number two, it is the Lord Jesus who prevents, uh, presents us blameless before God. Let's look at the first one. Jesus keeps us from stumbling. Now, we gotta talk about something here before we dig further into what Jude is saying in the first half of verse 24. In order to be kept from stumbling, we must first belong to Jesus. Therefore, we gotta begin there. Eternal security builds upon the foundation of Jesus as Lord because Jesus is Lord. That is, he is the one who saves sinners according to his mercy and grace. The Apostle Paul says it this way through Titus, that he saves us according to his mercy, not by works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy. So if we're gonna talk about being kept from stumbling, we first need to know that we belong to Christ. Now this is a really good place of meditation for the Christian. The Apostle Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians, examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. We haven't even gotten to the kept part. We haven't even gotten to the stumbling part. Nevertheless, Jude continues. If we belong to God in Christ, that is, we have repented and submitted ourselves, surrendered ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus, here's what I want you to know. You are kept by him. You are kept by him. 
The word kept here is really important. So if you got a highlighter or you're underlining, go ahead and take note of it. Because it's different than the word kept that we looked at last week where Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God. The word keep yourselves or the word keep from last week implies that you are to be watchful, that you are to be diligent. Here, it is more passive. It means that we are being guarded, that we are being preserved. In other words, when it comes to our salvation, especially in the most difficult of times, it is the Lord Jesus who is keeping us, guarding us, preserving us, and sustaining us. You see, the beauty about the first half of verse 24, actually, the beauty of all of verse 24 is that this is a personal promise from God to you through Jude. That he, that is Jesus, is able to keep you. To keep you from what? To keep you from stumbling, and that's what Jude says. So Jesus keeps us from stumbling. Well, again, we've got to apply some logic, and then we've got to look at the rest of Scripture, right? You and I both know that we drop the ball daily. That's just period, right? Like, we just got to be upfront about that. You and I drop the ball daily. Not the Agus, you do, you dropped it this morning, right? Therefore, this does not mean that Christians who are kept by God are sinless or perfect, but it does mean that they are redeemed and repentant. Say that one more time, okay? When Jude says that he is able to keep you from stumbling, and we're looking primarily at the word stumble in the context of stumbling, it does not mean that Christians are sinless, that Christians are perfect. It does, however, mean that Christians are redeemed and repentant. So it has to deal with our identity in Christ, and it has to deal with the condition of our heart. The truth about this is you and I stumble. You and I stumble. And so what happens when we stumble? One could say that, well, man, grace is poured out onto us. And you would be right. Grace is poured out onto you. Before you stumble, as you stumble, and after you stumble, God is pouring his grace out onto you so that you would be conformed into the image of his son. And God also disciplines his children. I won't go into it right now, but you can go to Hebrews 12 uh, at another time, and it talks about, the author talks about how God disciplines the one whom he loves. He is disciplining his children so that they would be corrected, so that they would be lined up according to his will. Some of you, including myself, confuse discipline with punishment. Because if you belong to Christ, what punishment is it that you are talking about? Christ bore that on the cross and exchanged your sin or his righteousness for your sin. Therefore, if you belong in Christ, there is now no condemnation for you and the righteousness in which you walk in is not your own. It is the righteousness of Christ imputed onto you. So we're not talking about punishment for there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. However, there is discipline. That is one way to know that we are being kept by God. 
that he disciplines the one he loves so that we would be corrected, so that we would be transformed uh, or conformed into the image of Christ. Again, that's Hebrews 12. Check it out this week. But I want you to listen to, to, to Psalm 37. This is verse 23 and 24. The psalmist says, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong for the Lord upholds his hand. It's not like he's like, it's not like you're gonna walk uh, or bat a thousand. It's not like you're not going to stumble. The Lord knows that you are going to stumble. But the key component here is both your identity and the condition of your heart. So it is not about being sinless or it is not about being perfect. It is about knowing that your redemption has been purchased by Christ and that you are repentant. That's gonna be the question. Are you repentant? To be kept by Jesus means that he will preserve us because he has redeemed us. Here's the second promise that Jude gives us, that Jesus presents us blameless before God. The word blameless here means spotless, or in the context of this verse, spotless and fit for God. I want you to just chill and think about that for a second. How is it that the church is presented blameless before God? She is presented blameless and without spot because of Jesus' work done for her on the cross. Danny Aiken says it this way. In the same way, God looked onto his sinless son as he placed him on the cross as our sacrifice. So he will present you and me sinless, faultless, clothed in the imputed righteousness of Christ. But note the place of this presentation before the presence of his glory. We will not just stand faultless anywhere. We will stand faultless before or in the presence of the glory of God. The church will be presented before God because of Jesus's redeeming grace. That the church will stand before the presence of God in robes of righteousness but the righteousness is not of her own. It is the righteousness that was imputed onto her by Christ himself. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. That Jesus is going to uh, present us before the glory of God because of his righteousness, because of his work done for us on the cross. That we will stand blameless and spotless because of the account of another. Jesus displays his glory. This is the essence of who he is. See, again, when it comes to the doctrine of eternal security, eternal security keeps the glory of God on the glory of God. And in verse 24, he concludes by saying, before the presence of his glory with great joy. That word or those words, great joy, it's actually one word. 
It's one word that comes from, uh, or talks about public celebration or a banquet. So in the context of what Jude is saying, he's saying that when Jesus presents his bride, the church, before the glory of God, there is not only joy in Christ as he does this, but as he presents the church, there is a public celebration of the lamb presenting his bride. This is how uh, we see it in Revelation 19. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of many pearls of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride, that is the church, has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Verse 24 provides us with the beauty of eternal security because it shows that after all of the pressures of contending for the faith in a time and culture of false teaching or permissive sin or the neglect of God's word, the faithful church will be standing before God, blameless, spotless, pursued, redeemed because of Christ. Eternal security builds upon the foundation of Jesus because it is the person and character of God in Christ who is the source of eternal security. Therefore, it leads us into the next question, what is the church empowered to do? Jesus just gave us, or or through Jude, gives us these two promises that he keeps us from stumbling and he presents us blameless before the glory of God. Man, so therefore, what is the church empowered to do? The church is empowered and enabled to praise and worship the Lord Jesus in all his splendor because it is Jesus who ultimately saves, assures, and confirms our salvation. This is how Jude concludes. To the only God, our Savior. Now, here's what I think when he says this, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I think he's taking a shot at those false teachers. Because those false teachers in in Jude, they are being uh, led by various idols. They are worshiping themselves or their intellect or a variety of different things in this culture. And so he takes one last shot at them by telling them there's only one God. There's only one God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he concludes with this praise regarding the two promises that we see uh, in verse 24. And so he says that we praise God in Christ because of his glory. His glory is his essence. He has obtained our salvation. He sustains our salvation for our good and his glory. He has made himself known and rescued sinners by calling them to himself for his glory. Again, eternal security keeps the glory of God on the glory of God. He continues that we praise God in Christ for being our good God and King, that we are to praise him for his majesty, not only because he is great and wise and sovereign, but particularly because he is transcendent. 
Man, how is God transcendent? He is transcendent in that he entered into human history, lived in our mess, stepping into our world, cleaning up our mess, taking responsibility for our sin so that we might be blameless and walk in his righteousness. That is why we praise him for his majesty. We praise him for his dominion. That is, we praise God in Christ for his sovereignty, his rulership, that everything is under his control and that we are ultimately sustained by him, that he doesn't do anything that is inconsistent with his character or attribute, that Jesus is not limited. And that we praise God in Christ for his authority to rule all things. In his authority, check it, in his authority, he has the absolute right to to not save anyone, yet has chosen to save sinners like you and me. Therefore, the question should not be, how can God send people to hell? The question ought to be, how can God save a wretch like me? Because of his glory, his majesty, his dominion, and his authority, he exercises, check it out, he exercises the grace of eternal security. Michael Green, who's a theologian on Jude, here's what he writes. God's eternal radiance was crystallized in Jesus Christ. So was his majesty, the kingly greatness which suffers without complaint. So was his control in the lordship of Jesus. So was his authority over men, nature, and the demonic. Such is our God. Such are his eternal qualities unveiled in Christ. The gift of eternal security enables the church, empowers the church, leads the church to praise and worship Jesus Christ. Knowing this, we can contend for the faith because of his faithfulness and his promises made to us. And so I wanna conclude with just a couple of things. I wanna conclude with the question, why does this matter? Why does any of this matter. It matters because today matters. You see, eternal security aims to help us cultivate a deeper longing for God. And so I'm going to tell you things that you already know, at least I hope. I'm gonna tell you things that I already know. So this isn't necessarily this practical application. This is a reminder Eternal security aims to help us cultivate a deeper longing for God in our salvation. Here's what I mean. Eternal security helps us to cultivate a deeper longing for God in our salvation so that we might grow a deeper appreciation for our salvation. Remember, eternal security does not mean that you are like good to go, that you are perfect, that you are sinless. It means that you are redeemed. It means that you are repentant. 
That is ongoing. That's not just a one-time thing, yeah? All right, Martin Luther said when, when God called us to repentance, he called us to repent for a lifetime. Does not mean, eternal security does not mean that you are perfect or sinless, but redeemed and repentant. Now, this is what the false teachers got wrong. Right? This is what they got wrong as they allowed, minimalized, dismissed, accepted, and legitimized their sin. They perverted the gospel. And so it's just, it's more than can or can you not lose your salvation. The question is, do you even know Jesus to begin with? Right? Like we looked at verse 24, that he is able to keep us from stumbling. Well, before we start talking about keeping and stumbling, you got to tell me, do you belong to Jesus? Let's start there. And should you belong to Jesus, then it should allow us to grow this deeper appreciation for our salvation. That if we dismiss, for instance, eternal security, then we dismissed, uh, then we dismissed the seriousness of our sin. And what we believe about sin says what we believe about grace. And what we believe about grace says what we believe about sin. And when it comes to the question of, of whether or not you can lose your salvation, here's the truth. If you can lose your salvation, then it is not eternal. Further, if you believe that you can lose your salvation, then that, brother, sister who I love, friend, then that is a very arrogant view of Jesus. You're just not that strong. You are just not that strong. The second thing is, apart from our salvation, is that eternal security helps us cultivate us in our growth and maturity. This involves and includes devoting ourselves to the reading of God's word and prayer. Like, this is what we've been talking about almost, almost every week. Man, how are we going to contend for the faith if we don't know the word of God? How are we going to contend for the faith if we simply don't know how to answer the question, what is the gospel? How are we to contend for the faith when we are discouraged and beat up and tired and exhausted and, uh, uh, and worn out? We must devote ourselves to the reading of God's word. So like we looked at last week, like Hebrew, the author of Hebrews 5 said, right? So that we would not uh, become dull of hearing. Because what happens when we become dull of hearing? We become immature. We become unskilled in the word of righteousness. We actually lack discernment. We can't tell apart good from evil, godly and ungodly, loving from unloving, truth from lie. And so, man, uh, eternal security helps us cultivate uh, a deeper uh, uh, longing for growth and maturity as we devote ourselves to the word of God and through prayer. Growing in maturity also means putting our sin to death. Like, do you realize this, Christian? The Holy Spirit resides in you. He resides in you. His job is not just to sanctify you, but he sanctifies you by counseling you, convicting you, guiding you, reminding you of what Jesus has said through his word that you gotta read, right? <laughs> and finally, when it comes to growth and maturity, we're actually able to continue to advance in whatever is difficult. Like that was the whole point of Jude's letter, right? If you go back to verse three, he says, man, I was really looking forward to writing to you 
about our common salvation, but I had to change gears, right? I had to erase my journal. I had to buy another moleskin. And the reason I had to buy another moleskin is because I got something else to tell you. I need you to contend for the faith. That's verse three. And then he tells them why. He says that there are people who have slipped in, what does he say, unnoticed. So he's like, hey, this is really important, but I'm kind of taking a shot at you. In other words, these false teachers, these false followers of Christ has slipped in because you haven't actually been paying attention, right? Growing in our maturity implies that, man, we grow so that we would continue to advance, continue to contend for the faith. And finally, eternal security aims to help cultivate a deeper longing in God regarding anticipation. In other words, we don't persevere in vain. We don't contend uh, by chasing the, excuse me, chasing the wind. But we do it because we have been called to And in the midst of that, as we wait upon the Lord, knowing that one day he will return, he will reclaim his bride. So we do not contend without hope. So here's where I'll close it up. If you know Jesus, if you're a Christian, if you know Jesus, I want you to know that you are kept by Jesus as you contend in advance for the faith. I want you to know that you will one day be presented blameless before the glory of God. I want you to know that you are loved and that your Savior is one who sympathizes with you. He paid really, really good money for you, his own blood. If you are discouraged, if you are tired, if you are beat up, here would be my encouragement. I want you to rest in the hope of eternal security that you are kept for Jesus by Jesus himself. And if you don't know Jesus, I'm really glad that you're here. And if you think all of this is too good to be true, you'd be correct. Because the gospel is a paradox. It's a paradox. God enters into human history as the man Jesus Christ lives in our stead, dies in our place, purchases the redemption of sinners that sinned against him, offering the grace of salvation to any and all who repent of their sin and place their hope and trust in the Lord Jesus. That's a paradox. Yet, it is his invitation to you you can come to know him today. And so church, as we wrap up Jude, leave here knowing that the beauty of eternal security is that Jesus is our foundation. And as we anticipate his return, we do not contend in vain, but we worship as we anticipate his second coming. Let's pray. Father, we are saved by you, secured by Jesus, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. God, may that be a truth that we embrace today.
that in light of everything that this year has brought, all of the pressure, all of the struggle, all of the turmoil and loss, we are sustained by you. Father, humble us to come before you in confidence so that we might confess our sin, putting it all on the table so that we might obtain grace and mercy so that our eyes would be lifted and fixed on Jesus so that we would walk in a way that is not only contending for the faith, but walking in a manner that is worthy of your praise.